Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. Hello, and happy Reckless Speculation Thursday to all who celebrate. This is Mackie and Judd, and our friend Darren Doogie Wolfson joins us every single week. A couple times, a little bonus scoop early in the week as well from the 5 Eyewitness News Sports Department and also the Scoop Podcast after a Timberwolves win in their opener. We're going to get to a lot of that later in the show. Timberwolves will break the... Declan was at the game just oh, slamming yeah. beers. Slamming beers, a basketball guy, yelling now. at Josh Giddy. Um, it was it was a great time. I had a Get great off time. Josh Giddy's back. He's a good young man. No, yeah, just uh, let that man pave his own path, Declan, without heckling. Um, but let's let's start with a little something Judd threw out yesterday. Um, you made a prediction on write that down. You've done some digging. We've got our scoops guy here, Doogie, inside information about Minnesota sports teams. I'm just going to say three words. And I would like you guys to tell us well your thoughts. Okay. Odell Beckham Jr. All right, Dukes, before I throw it to you, I want to be very clear of something. I The digging I did was research, okay? So I don't have this on authority from anyone. Nonetheless, we talked about it. I, I did an afternoon Judd on it. And then, where you can now find the new Styles Vikings Right, writing from Judd Zolgad at Vikings Wire. I wrote about it. Cheap walking. Yeah. Check out. Plug. Check it out. Vikings Wire. Anyway, um, I connected dots. So I'm going to throw it to you, but I just want to be clear that I did not talk to any sources who said this is like going to happen. I've got it. Happy Reckless Speculation Thursday to all of you. Heck, if you're watching or listening to this, you celebrate it, right? You embrace it. It's a lifestyle. So it's not, hey, if you. If you're watching or listening to this, you do. So happy Reckless Speculation Thursday. Yes, before I get to Odell, Phil, we all mourn with you just publicly. I just want to say that, you know, your dad raised a wonderful young man. So we're all thinking of you, okay? On OBJ, we can go letters, right? Like, he's so well-known, it doesn't need to be full name. OBJ. Judd, I get it. Connect all the logical dots you want with the Kevin O'Connell connection, the Phillips connection. It goes up and down, right? It's more than that, right? Justin Jefferson, Odell Beckham Jr. have a rock-solid relationship. Would Odell Beckham Jr. help the Vikings? To me, if he's healthy, undoubtedly, right? Like, there are enough targets to go around. It's not like it's him or K.J. Osborne. They can coexist. What I know is, as of right now, there just isn't any steam. There just isn't. And if I had to bet Odell Beckham Jr. does not land here, in Minnesota. Now, the Vikings do have a rock-solid relationship with his agent. His agent, Zeke, doesn't have a whole lot of clients, but he does represent Daniil Hunter. So Rob Brzezinski and company have a good relationship with the agent. But I'm not sure in the end that matters all that much. I just think it makes more sense. Either he ends up back in a Rams uniform, maybe Kansas City. I just don't see it happening here. Now, one comeback will be, The Vikings just don't even have any cap space, which is true. Like, at the moment, the Vikings are barely above. Like, it's if you go to NFLPA.com, if you have access to that, it's like hundreds of thousands of dollars, not millions of dollars of cap space they have at the moment. But you can create cap space. They can still do something with Eric Kendricks' contract. There are ways. Like, if the Vikings really wanted to sign OBJ, 
If he right. wanted to be here, I promise there would be a way to make it work. But as I sit here on Thursday at, what is it, 10.08 Central in the morning, Thursday, October 20th, I'm just telling you guys, there just isn't any steam on my end that there's actual interest from OBJ in being a Viking. All right, well, we have a, we have another update here because we have we have reporters all over the country. We mm-hmm. have spies on the ground. We have we have we have Purple Daily listeners inside expensive five-star restaurants in Miami. Mm-hmm. And so uh, this note came into the show yesterday. I'll, I'll leave his name out of it. It, it. We don't need to apologies if if this person would like his name on it and we're blowing the scoop for him. Send us another scoop, we'll put your name on it, but just to be safe here. It says I went to the game in Miami, and on Friday, my girlfriend and I went to, in Minnesota, we would call it Carboni, like the pizza place. Uh, This is like the five-star restaurant you can find in New York City, Miami, Las Vegas. I believe it's pronounced Carbone. Uh, Anyways, went to that expensive restaurant, ran into OBJ at this restaurant. It was my girlfriend's birthday. He sat and talked with us for 10 minutes, got a picture with him, asked where he was signing. And he told me, quote, Buffalo or Kansas City, whoever gives me the bag, end quote. <laughs> now, I will say, you know, this is, again, this is all under the the umbrella of reckless speculation here. Okay. So, reckless speculation. That sounds about right, though, that he would go to probably one of the two best teams. You know, Eagles might be in that mix for best team in the NFL. Uh, but the best team that would give him the most money. Now, the Vikings have the second-best record in the NFL. Are they able to give him, quote-unquote, the bag with the Thielen contract, with the Justin Jefferson contract coming up? I don't know what the bag looks like for him this year. Uh, but I do I do believe this anecdote from an expensive restaurant in Miami. Well, I mean, I just recklessly speculated Kansas City. Kansas City makes a lot of sense to me. But, yeah, like, don't undersell the Von Miller influence in Buffalo. So, sure, as you say that, like, my instant reaction is yes. Like, Buffalo is, yeah, we can debate, but certainly to me the best team in the AFC. But if you want to debate Kansas City or someone else, fine. Maybe not the best team in the NFL, but certainly a team that can make a deep run in January. So, sure, that does make sense. If you look at the Rams with all those injuries on their offensive line, yeah. even if there was genuine interest in reuniting with Sean McVay, like if you're Odell, if you're chasing a ring, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to go back to Los Angeles. Agree completely. I think the one thing about the Bills that intrigues me uh, from the, the standpoint of is that the best place for him, because they, they are certainly a great team, is this, though. Do you want to sign with a team when you're probably not going to play around until December 1st and then play throughout the, throughout the rest of the season in Buffalo, where here it's a controlled environment, and, and I think offensively, theoretically, um, there should be a much better chance in December to make an impact in, in the passing game with home game. So, but yeah, it just, I, I actually found a quote from O'Connell during his Super Bowl press conference. He hadn't officially been announced her yet. It was Super Bowl week and a reporter asked him about OBJ and O'Connell. And, and now it seems completely sincere, just raved about him. Said he's just been a great guy. He loves football. He is. And so I just wonder if there's a relationship there that might have been since, you know, my guess is that KOC paid a lot of attention because he was the OC there. If there might have been a relationship there with Beckham that was among the most important and might have even been important, more important than the relationship with McVay based on the time O'Connell could devote to that side of the football. Sure. Makes all the sense. I also wonder, would a grass surface be better for him? So Kansas City, more so. I believe Buffalo yeah. is some sort of turf. I mean, it is. heck, I had a conversation with Andrew Booth Jr. a couple weeks ago. I mean, he's convinced that crappy turf at Tottenham Hotspur, whatever that was, that artificial, that that field turf, not the natural grass, had a lot to do with Lewis Seen's compound mm. fracture. Right? And so if you're OBJ coming off a serious knee injury, would you consider... Yep you know, playing surface, but it's such a finite amount of time for these guys to maximize their earning potential. If yeah. Buffalo wants to offer a couple million more dollars than everyone else, then I'm sure who cares about the surface at that point. I also just don't foresee, I mean, like going back to the Adamic and Sue chatter, right? The Vikings let it be known very early, like July, August, Hey, we'll take Adamic and, 
but at the vet minimum. Like, we're not paying him $8, 9000000 million. Yeah. So I wonder if the Vikings would say, okay, yeah, if Odell wants to be here, sure, but we're not going much beyond the minimum. You know, and, and if you have any other OBJ stuff, you guys jump in here, but just on the – you bring up Lewis Seen. You know, we're six weeks in. They had a weird travel situation with, you know, London and then no bye week in Chicago and then travel over to Miami, and so – I'm actually very shocked and pleasantly surprised by how few injury issues, knock on wood, this team has had so far. Right? I mean, it's like they've they, they've emerged relatively unscathed through the first third of the season so far. Knock on wood. Again, I just jinxed it probably. Well, if you have that sort of power, Phil, that, that to me is amazing. But you're right. Like I touched on the Rams. Right? Go up and down the list. Look at Miami. The Vikings playing Miami last Sunday. Chargers. The yeah. perfect time. Right. I mean, even Green Bay, others just there are a bunch of teams dealing with all sorts of injury concerns for the most part. And sure, Lewis Seen would help these guys on special teams. But when you look at their top 25 to 28 to 30 players, yeah, knock on whatever. But they've been as healthy as any team in the entire league. Mm hmm. So, Dukes, the uh, trade d- deadline, which often in th- this league, it's grown a l- little bit, but it's ordinarily not like, you know, basketball, baseball, hockey, comes up November 1st. Uh, what do we think the Vikings might do? And I've got two positions specifically for you. Tight end, because I don't think the production at tight end has been what they expected across the board. And depth at defensive tackle, which goes back to the Sioux conversation, which, of course, goes back to the summer. Those would be the two positions. Maybe backup linebacker, maybe backup cornerback. But, yeah, the first two positions I would look at would be tight end and interior of the defensive line. So I was told to check on Denver. You know, even with the new regime, there are still plenty of connections in the Vikings front office to George Payton. And company, they have a backup tight end that's been a healthy scratch recently. Heck, remember, there was some interest in Kyle Rudolph going back to late July. He's been a healthy scratch in Tampa. So could that be a possibility? Although Cameron Brait just went down with an injury. So I don't know what the long-term prognosis is on Brait. But Kyle Rudolph hasn't been getting the playing time that he thought he would get in Tampa. Now, I'm not sure Tampa wants to help an NFC rival anyway. but. Like, yeah, look at some of the tight ends being scratched across the league. I would keep an eye on those guys. I had a tip to check on the Washington Commanders that they are looking to do some stuff. So we'll keep an eye on that situation as November 1st gets closer. Anticipating this question, Judd, I will tell you, I I texted with an AFC personnel director this morning. Now, not a logical trade fit, not a team that I expected the Vikings to have trade dialogue with, but I said, hey, to this gentleman via text, are you hearing any Vikings trade scuttlebutt? He texted back immediately saying, right now, no, nothing. Hmm, interesting. Um, you know, this is probably more of a like a March situation to address, but I feel like we thought the Vikings wide receivers would be much more effective and explosive in this offense than they've been so far. If you look, so Justin Jefferson is averaging 14 yards per reception. You can see it with your eyes. When he gets the ball, he's explosive in this offense. Adam Thielen is every bit of 32 years old. I saw one of our guys, I think it was Eric Eager, our guy formerly from Pro Football Focus, now uh, going to work for some big hedge fund billionaire to fix the (laughs) analytics system in the NFL. He's amazing and a friend of the show. But Adam Thielen's yards per route run have just plummeted over the past four or five years. And I just, I don't know, maybe it's just K.J. Osborne. It's Maybe he hasn't been given the opportunities. Um, you know, he has the lowest yards per reception of any of the three receivers I just mentioned. So I don't know if it's this trade deadline or if you have to take a long, hard look at your top three receivers going into next year. But I don't know that you can get out from underneath the Adam Thielen contract in 2023. So I guess my general question is, where where do you think they're at in terms of their comfort with the wide receivers, and how likely would it be that they could? We talked about Odell Beckham Jr. Obviously, are there could they be in the market for a receiver before the trade deadline? Well, I mean, they were not in on Robbie Anderson, who got traded this week to Arizona. I can tell you that that's a guy who can stretch the field, right? So if they were, like at least you make the phone call to Carolina, do you not before they struck that deal with Arizona? 
I presume they've discussed OBJ internally. Like, how would they not, right? Like, I'm sure it's come up internally. Maybe there's even been a phone call to the agent. I have not heard that, but I'm not ruling out that possibility. I'm just saying in the end, I don't see OBJ landing here. But, Phil, I think your concern is legit. I still think Jalen Naylor has a chance. Maybe not this year. So maybe it's a march into next year OTAs, mini camp, training camp, 2023. But don't sleep on the sixth-round pick, Jalen Naylor from Michigan State. He can stretch the field. He really did it at a high level in the Big Ten. I get it. Much different animal here in the National Football League. But he is a guy that has a chance. But even that being said, yeah, it's something they need to look at. And it's not like Kirk doesn't have time, right? I mean, the offensive line is giving Kirk plenty of time. So it's not like he doesn't have time to drop back seven steps and fling it downfield. So the concern more would be outside of J.J., like who can really stretch the field. Right. I'd like to think there's a little bit more there with K.J. Osborne, though. I agree. And do they use Jalen Rager a little bit more as the year moves forward? I mean, he's been getting a few offensive snaps per game. Is there a little bit more there with Rager, his ability to stretch the field? We know how fast he is. I think there is an interesting story there, though, guys, on on Osborne, just the fact that he has – I mean, I really thought that he would be used more. And what's weird about it is it's not like the tight ends are taking up all those catches. Like I thought, Irv Smith has been – to me, to put it kindly, inconsistent. He's got some passes, but he's also dropped some huge ones. And he hasn't been the consistent presence that I that I expected him to be in the passing game. So the Osborne thing that surprises me is, okay, if that's going to be the case, and at least for now the tight ends aren't going to contribute as much as expected Dukes, that a guy like Osborne would benefit from that. And the one thing that we don't know and that I can't tell yet is this. Is this a personnel issue where where KJ's not where O'Connell expected and where Thielen has slowed down? Or is this a schematic issue as well where this week is going to provide an opportunity for KOC to sit down and say, I have to adjust things as I'm calling them? Like that's the that's the potential here where, where it could be a little bit of both of th- those things. Because um, I don't think Osborne's done something wrong. Like I don't remember any huge drops, right? And I don't remember, like, he, he had a good camp. So I am flat out surprised that, that he has not benefited from the fact that tight ends aren't doing more. My instant thought is it's a combination, right? I mean, you just alluded to it, Judd, that it could be both. I think it would be both. Like, I don't think K.J. Osborne is a bad player. No. I think there's enough there. So there's more there for, for Kevin O'Connell to unearth. But it goes back to, like, I think a pass catcher, whether it's at the tight end position or maybe it's, at the receiver position, but I may put that number one on the trade request list. As Quasi is is working the phones here with 11 days to go, somebody to help the passing game in terms of catching the ball, I'd put that number one on a list above interior defensive linemen. Yeah. Uh, before we continue on here with additional scoops on this Reckless Speculation Thursday, a shout-out to our friends at Federated Mutual Insurance Company, helping to power us here on Mackie and Judd, Purple Daily, Score North as a whole, and for over 100 years, helping to power businesses through risk management tools and resources, just like having a great offensive line for your business. Find out which industries they work best with at federatedinsurance.com, where uh, it's always our business to protect yours. All right, uh, feel free to wrap up any other Vikings things, but the Timberwolves last night, and we'll dive more into this. Declan was in the arena, and Judd, uh, you were in the arena last night, so we'll do our own little breakdown later. But um, Rudy Gobert, man, they don't win that game without r- the dominating performance and the calming presence of Rudy Gobert in an otherwise kind of sloppy second half. 15 shot attempts. Did he have 15 shot attempts in a game all of last year? Let me check that. That's a good question. Well, he averaged look it like up. eight. Yeah. I'm pretty sure the answer is no, that he never had one game in Utah last year where he attempted 15 shots. You're right. He was the best player on the floor. I think Jaden McDaniels mm-hmm. was the second best player. Dude, yeah. It's a reminder. Like the Wolves were pretty public about how badly Utah wanted Jaden McDaniels, but they would not include him mm-hmm. in the Gobert trade. Think about it. This time next year, what sort of extension is Jaden McDaniels looking at? He has all sorts of leverage. Now he could just play it out, go to restricted free agency. So the Wolves still control him for multiple more years. But, like, they need to pay that guy, mm-hmm. right? And we touched on it a few weeks ago. There's more there. 
you can use him some different ways. Like, they didn't run any plays for Jaden last night, and he still impacted the game at a pretty high level. I'd like to see Finch run some plays for Jaden McDaniels. But fortunate that you played OKC, although I think OKC with Shea Gilgis-Alexander is pretty darn feisty. They are pesky. That's not an automatic win when SGA is playing. But, you know, the Wolves are fortunate that OKC can't shoot. You know, they're just they're horrendously bad at three-point shooting. Like, if they had made a few more threes, you know, the Wolves may have lost that game. But opening yeah. nights can be weird. You know, I watched a good amount of my buddy Ryan Saunders, his Denver Nuggets last night. Like, Utah controlled most of that game. Denver had a mini run or two in it. But Utah ends up winning by 18 or 20 points. Utah's actually of, kind of – Utah's feistier yeah. than people think. Well, yeah, and – I think, like, when people were looking at this early portion of the Wolves schedule saying, okay, OKC, Utah, San Antonio, some people were saying OKC is the feistiest of the bunch. To me, it's Utah. Yeah, I mean, right? Rudy Plus, Gay, they've got some veterans on that you've team. You've got the revenge play. factor, too, with Jared Vanderbilt, Malik Beasley. Yeah. Even, I'll tell you who looked good last night. Walker Kessler. Especially defending Nikola Jokic. Walker Kessler. Dude, I'm not suggesting really he's going to be a 35-minute-a-guy type starter but walker kessler can play double double Do not five for five from the field that acquisition by utah <laughs> well, and a great cowboy too he, walker I feel bad for he him. gets Grandpa on his horse and goes home i sat down with him at his introductory news conference he was so psyched to play for the wolves and the trade happens a few days later but mm. walker kessler can play but like i was watching new orleans brooklyn last night i think brooklyn in the end will be pretty good but like last night new orleans jumped in them early Never gave up the lead, pretty much led by 20 the entire game. So opening nights can be goofy. But, like, I did not foresee, of all the you know potential scenarios, I did not foresee the Thunder going on a 27-5 to run at any point. Like, in that second half, they went Ugh. on a 27-5 to run. I would not have bet on that scenario. 97, dude. He gave out. him a spark. I can't pronounce his name, but he gave he's him a spark. A I can't pronounce his name either, but he's on a two-way, right? So he took advantage of of an opportunity, right? He's trying to get a standard contract. <laughs> That's a way that you, Gritty. That you pop. Yeah. He's a and Giddy can play. I love Josh Giddy. You know, so they've got some guys. In fact, if Chet Holmgren doesn't suffer the, the season-ending foot injury, I mean, to me, OKC would have been top five league pass viewing, hmm. at least for me. You know, bias with Chet, the local guy, but Chet Giddy. Shea Gilgis Alexander, like that would have been a really fun threesome to follow. But hey, Cat and Ant both yep. played like garbage. Like, how often are you going to win when those two guys play way below average? It's pretty clear Cat is still getting his legs underneath him. He's not there. He actually played more minutes than I ever would have thought. Like, I was led to believe he was not going to play that much. So, I guess maybe just how competitive the game was, finding a way to win, he's able to gut through, but he is not 100%. Ant has to do a better job of finishing at the rim. I thought he did a better job in the preseason, but he missed some shots that he has to make. And what's surprising about that is the man is now built beyond. I mean, he is uh, just a brick wall Dude, now. He's he's listed now at two thirty nine. But I mean, how can you not then then do what Dukes is talking about? Like you're going to get to the the rim, and people are just going to move because of your body. Well, so part of it is he either needs to be better at just converting those layups in traffic, like you're gonna you're gonna ping pong off bodies. You need to find a way to finish, or find a way to make sure they call the foul. I think a lot of a lot of Timberwolves fans, somewhat rightfully so, complain that he doesn't get enough foul calls when he's driving to the lane. But some of that's like go back and look at the greats at drawing fouls, right? I mean, Dwayne Wade's the obvious comparison. There is an art to getting the foul call. And it's not just that you're a superstar. You know, there's an art to the, you know, to the way that you absorb the contact. And like, think yeah. about how many times Dwayne Wade drives to the rim, slightly over exaggerates contact. Right? You know, that's that's the level that he needs to get to, so that it's it's a no brainer that he at least gets ten free throws in a night when he's getting in the rim that often. You can't just have no foul call and then miss five layups. Like, there's there's got to be something, some sort of payoff there. Well, and I think there can just be some more fluidity to his offensive game, like you watched Shea Gilgis last night. That's just, that's smoothness right there, right? He seemingly is always in control. I think Ant has the talent, the ability to get to that sort of level. But I wonder about some of these tough matchups, maybe not in the next, you know, few days, but, you know, over the course of the season, Ant is going to be guarding 
a lot of high level players. How does that impact how much he's going to be, you know, exerting energy on the defensive end? How will that impact the offensive end? But that was the part of him putting on some weight, some muscle, you know, becoming, you know, in better shape, right? Working on his diet, knowing that the defensive challenge was going to to ramp up this year. And so I'll be curious to see how how things play out, but I still would bet on him. Like I'm not overreacting to yeah. to one game. I still think like I think he's got all defensive team potential, maybe not this year, but in the next few years. Right. And I think, you know, whether it's this year or next year, I think he's going to be an all-star. On Cat, how much time do you, do you guys think it's going to take there too? Uh because one in person, he is alarmingly thin. Like when when I saw him courtside basically last night, I've seen the pictures, but I guess in person it's more so. But also, he seems like a guy who, who forget the the uh, health scare, just flat out, this is going to take some time. Because Gobert's role in Gobert's world probably hasn't changed a ton. Like, like he's going to do what he does well. Uh, Kat's the guy who's being asked to make way there. Um, and that looks like it's just flat out going to be a work in progress. Well, yeah. I'll just tell you what Glenn Taylor told me. And Glenn talks to all the people he needs to talk to, right? Tim Connolly, you know, who gets it from the sports Saw science people. Saw last night. You know, Glenn, Glenn isn't going to lie on this one. So I had Glenn on the most recent Scoop podcast, episode 401, Whew. that posted last weekend. Glenn told me a couple weeks. Now, I wouldn't be shocked if it's more like three to four weeks. But Glenn says at least a couple weeks. So figure at least, you know, 14 to 17 to 20 days. But... Even so, like, Cat had an offensive foul toward the end of last night's game, right, where he kicked out his leg again. Like, Cat, yeah. uncle, mercy on that, yeah. right? It's been I, yes. it's been pounded into your head by Finch, by others with the Wolves. You can't do that. Yet he still continues to do it. No. So, you know, that's got nothing to do with his legs not being underneath him, you know, fatigue, all that, not being in great shape. Like, that was just a moronic play that he has to stop doing. He has the emotional intelligence of a mop, and so you're just going to have to work around it. He's a he's a wildly talented player, <laughs> but you, you have to work around it. And thankfully, like you saw many times last night, Rudy Gobert is sitting there on the bench kind of dictating, hey, here's what we're going to do defensively. It's just kind of nice to have Austin Rivers, the broadcast last night, uh, Michael Grady and Jim Peterson pointed out, at one of the, the practices that Jim Pete was allowed into that Austin Rivers brought the team together and said, trust your role, trust the coaches. So you've got some presence, it feels like, in this locker room and on that bench where hopefully you can just, I mean, last night's a great example. They worked around some petulance by Carl Anthony Towns, couldn't make a shot, Anthony Edwards couldn't make a shot, and they still had like a 16-point lead, and it got a little dicey there, but they still win the game by eight points. So hopefully you, you have enough where you can work around some of this stuff. I will tell you, when Gobert went down holding his knee, I'm like, uh-oh. Oh, God. Because there's been some knee concerns yeah. there. So thankfully, just a bump. thankfully just Rudy a bump. is just fine. But you're right. Now, I think on Austin, like, I love the idea of him being on the team. I would really love the idea of tracking him down for a regular podcast, or at least you know, from time to time, like he's got the gift of gab. Yeah. He is a very enjoyable listen, but like, will his message resonate if he's not getting minutes? Yeah. F- 45 pause on, I think on so. that. I think, and I NBA, think he can eventually NBA help can. him. Like, I think he can play. It's not like he needs to be the 11th or 12th man. I think there will be opportunities for him to help on the court. I just wonder immediately how much his message resonates when he's not playing. Yeah, I think for some reason the NBA is a little different in that regard, I think, in that, you know, I mean, Udonis Haslam with the Heat, right? There's a few guys that come to mind that they don't play a lot over the years, but you can still have, I mean, hell, KG as a Timberwolf barely played the second time around and and still had a wild, you know, impact. Yeah, although KG, right? I mean, the resume spoke for itself. Everybody knew. Yeah, both A lot of those guys grew up watching KG. (laughs) It's not like these guys have grown yeah, up it's watching like Moss, Austin Rivers. When Moss came back, guys still, I mean, Percy loved him despite despite the fact he was basically washed up. Yeah, yeah. All right, g- give us some rapid-fire scoops here. I know you guys probably talked about this, but I'm a, I am guess I'm a little skeptical when the Gophers land one of the top big men recruits in the country. So wh- why why should we believe this? What, what, what am I missing? What's the catch? Why do the Gophers just have this insanely talented seven-foot guy now on their team? 
Well, we didn't because I went up north for a few days. So I can't explain it, but my boys have the entire week off. So happy MEA weekend. Yeah, we didn't talk on celebrate. Tuesday. That's yeah. just a month off school. The school Great. district we are in, we have the entire week off. So we took mm-hmm. the boys up to Gooseberry Falls, <laughs> oh, up to some Gooseberry. Split Rock Lighthouse. Yeah, I'm a big oh. fan of the North Shore. So we did not converse on Tuesday. You know, I knew what was going on. I can tell you that Dennis Evans has a very tight relationship with Jaden Hardy, who's a guard right now on the Gophers. But sure, like you're wondering, okay, why were the Gophers and TCU of all schools in it at the end? What happened to Kansas? For a while, we heard Kansas wanted Evans. Well, Kansas seemingly backed off enough where Kansas has enough recruiting targets. This kid played for USA Basketball, so I'm still trying to figure out why some other schools weren't in the mix. Now, some were. And he just said, not interested. So credit to Ben Johnson, you know, first and foremost, Marcus Jenkins, others with the Gophers for really doing a a phenomenal sell job. Because it sounds like in the end, TCU did offer some pretty interesting NIL opportunities Mm -hmm. where he could have made really good money. He's not making that sort of money here. Now, there will be some opportunities to make some money here, but he's not making the money here that he could have made in Fort Worth. So the Gophers beat that appeal but i'm telling you this hardy influence this gophers guard hardy who 99.9 percent of people don't know about he's a freshman he has a very good relationship with dennis evans so don't undersell that angle but yeah i mean whether it's roy or if you want to go back to chris humphreys i mean it's either been 15 16 years or 19 20 years since the gophers landed a recruit of of this caliber we all thought when ben johnson took over for richard patino the recruiting would would go up. Well, this would be, you know, example 1A, right? Like Richard Patino, you know, we love Richard, right? We'll have a beer with him any day, but Richard Patino was not landing Dennis Evans. So kudos to Ben Johnson for landing this kid. Well, I think has a chance. I don't know a whole lot about his game. He's incredibly skinny. You know, some people that saw him here for homecoming when he was here for his official visit, that Purdue game, you know, pointed out just, you know, how skinny he is. But hey, like seven foot is seven foot, maybe even a legit seven one with incredibly long arms. But they're going to have to develop him. He's got to put on some weight. But the thought is this kid has a chance to be an NBA first round pick. So he'll be on the biggest stage possible or one of in the Big Ten, right? If you want to debate ACC or SEC, fine. But one of the biggest stages in the country is going to be on national TV every single game. So he'll have a chance starting next year to put on a show. And if he wants to be one and done, Maybe be a high pick in the 2024 draft. Yeah, good stuff. Reckless speculation. Dude, thank you, man. Great stuff. Great insights. No plans initially for the Wolves on that two-way, that opening two-way contract with Eric Paschal. His Achilles is all messed up. It's a situation where he's not even in great shape. So uh, maybe A.J. Lawson eventually. I was told P.J. Dozier, no. P.J. Dozier not interested if the Wolves presented a two-way opportunity to Dozier. He's not interested, but the Wolves are still planning as if P.J. Dozier will be in Iowa. So I wouldn't sleep on P.J. Dozier one day helping the Wolves, like maybe January, February, March, but not immediately. But right now I was told no immediate plans for the Wolves to fill that opening two-way roster spot. Okay. Are the Twins loading up a $250 million bag of cash for Carlos Correa? (laughs) The dialogue is ongoing with... With his representation, one other Twins note, Austin Martin took a 95-mile-per-hour fastball in the ribs the other day in the Arizona Fall League. That's really going to affect his power. He's actually been okay. I'm telling you, the Twins, I get it. The Twins are trying to unearth more power, so they've tweaked his swing. Maybe just come to the conclusion, the power's not there. Let him be an on-base guy, steal some bases, play decent defense. I still think he's a big leaguer, but if they're looking for power, I just don't think it's going to happen. Now their comeback is. He may ultimately be a corner outfielder, not an infielder. So if he's playing corner outfield, there has to be some pop. So I get why the Twins are doing what they're doing, but maybe it's time after a full year to come to the conclusion the power's not going to be there. Let him go back to his Vanderbilt swing, his Blue Jay system swing, where he can get on base at a high clip. I trust that the Twins know what they're doing, okay? I think let's let's back off on the criticism here a little bit, okay? Just, just pump the brakes there, Dukes. And don't forget, New Jersey's coming out in November. Very exciting opportunity to get your Twins gear before the season, baseball fans. 
New jerseys, new scoreboard. New scoreboard. It's going to yeah, it's going to be so big that you won't have to worry about what's going on what in the a, field because you can just watch the scoreboard. What a time to unveil new branding. Hey, everybody. I, I might I might wait just a little bit longer. All right, Dukes. We'll All see boys. you next week. Bye, man. Darren. Have a good Talk Thursday. Thursday. Doogie Wolfson from 5 Eyewitness News Sports Department and the Scoop Podcast. Uh, let's press on into some more Timberwolves discussion here, gentlemen. So you guys were inside the arena last night. Uh, first things first, the most important question from last night. Why was there a person in a gorilla or a Bigfoot suit sitting next to Dalvin Cook courtside? It was the Sasquatch guy from Jack Links. Like, that is clear. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's that guy. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But, so it was, uh, it, was it like, was it like product placement, well, promotional yep. thing? Dave, okay. I, if, if memory serves right, Declan here for Jack Links. I, I think Jack Links and the Timberwolves have been like a partner for a long, oh, yeah. long time. They've got like a Jack Links store in the Skyway. Yeah. With yeah. Sasquatch. Yes. Right mm-hmm. outside. Yes. So, so that's so. that's probably why. But I... I am probably shocked that like some millionaire is probably pissed he couldn't get courtside tickets because Sasquatch got to pony up right next to Dalvin Cook. <laughs> my gu- it my guess is they gave Dalvin the freebie and might have actually paid him to sit there by that dude. They paid Dalvin to sit. That's my Do you guess. think Dalvin's getting paid by Jack Links? I think somebody paid. Well, or do you I think mean, Dalvin sort of- showed up to watch the Timberwolves and he's like, uh, "This is weird." Why no, I think no, I think Dalvin was probably compensated for that. Were there any other Night stars out? Any other Vikings or anyone? Or was it just Dalvin and the Sasquatch? Uh, I didn't see any other Vikings, but that doesn't mean that they I saw Car- you know, Carl's dad was there. Jordan Woods was there. So um, Tommy Kramer. Tommy, Tommy Kramer, Kramer was he's slamming a beer at an, in the concourse after yeah, the game God bless was him over. for that, man. Um, childhood hero of mine. TK, man. Really a childhood hero still yeah. to this day. Um, I'm a, I'm just, I'll start the conversation. You guys were in the arena. I was watching... Uh, the new broadcast team of Michael Grady, Jim Peterson, did a solid job last night. Mm-hmm. And I just want to talk closed circuit to the people freaking out about the game, about the 27-5 to 5 run, about the fact that how could you blow this lead? It's the same old Timberwolves. This is the worst team in the NBA, and the Timberwolves are playing like the second worst team in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Really? Carl Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert have played once together. Once, part of a preseason game. Carl Anthony Towns was in the hospital like three weeks ago, okay? So I'm going to get, and if, if you want to go back almost 20 years, the, the best team in Timberwolves history, I think they were 500 after like the first 18 games going in pretty deep into like early December, mid-December. Sam Cassell, Latrell Sprewell, Kevin Garnett. Those were veteran players coming in that had been in the NBA for 10 plus years. It takes time to gel and build chemistry, even with that collection 18, 20 years ago. And so now you're dealing with two centers playing together for the first time, a 21-year-old kid in Anthony Edwards, another 21-year-old kid in Jaden McDaniels, both in the starting lineup. So they're going to need several weeks to grow and build chemistry and gel together before this looks anything like the finished product that we can then start to critique. So I was just kind of, and maybe it was just like, a smattering of people on Twitter and email and stuff during the game that made it seem like a bigger, I mean, but the crowd was getting restless at times and kind of booing in the third quarter. Like people, there's going to be ugly stretches as you look to iron this thing out. And that's the blessing of a relatively easy schedule is that you can kind of go through the hiccups and probably still win games by eight or 10 points against bad teams. So people need to just chill out after last night. I get it completely both ways because one is, you know, it's opening night unveiling of this new product with Gobert, who, by the way, was brilliant. He was great. Best player uh, on the court. Yep. But expectations are, you know, they're going to come out firing, and it's not true. Um, the Ant thing doesn't concern me one bit. I think Ant now, – now, first of all, this whole thing, much like we've spent months discussing about – the Vikings offense, this whole thing has to gel. Like, it's just going to take time. Um, I am ultimately curious to see what Carl's role is. And Carl made some great plays last night. I mean, his, his passes, Carl. he was passing, I believe he had seven f- first-half assists, yes. none mm-hmm. in the second half. And his shooting was horrid. Uh, his legs aren't there yet. But just as far as, like, his overall game, because he's going to be the guy who has to find his uh, – niche here. I mean, Gobert is going to play like he plays with more shots. Uh, But just to go back to Gobert's game, which again, I thought was just Mm. great. One is he is now replaced. He is going to replace with a very different mentality, Beverly's leadership. 
Gobert, different mentality, completely different guy. But like the Wolves looked to Pat Bev as as their heartbeat last year. And you know what? I thought he did a pretty damn good job. But Gobert is a better player, a different person, but there's no question. When in, in fact, Phil, when they did the opening night, we're going to have a guy address the fans. It used to be Cat. It was Gobert now. Mm-hmm. And I'm, that's basically saying you're our captain. Um, and the other thing, though, is Gobert's game. And, I mean, I've watched him play with, with the Jazz, but I've until last night, I haven't watched him closely. Do you realize that in, let's see here, he had 34 minutes and 22 seconds of playing time. He committed one foul. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's that's one of the, yes. And can Cat go to school on up. that? Can Cat go to school? I mean, this man is an inside defensive presence, yeah. one of the, if not the best, defensive rim protectors in the NBA today. And he had one foul. I hope Cat can go to school, and I hope Gobert helps him on what it takes to be that type of player. Yes. Now, he's going to have, I'm sure, some games where he gets into foul trouble, too. Sure. So it's it maybe a small sample size alert. But Carl Anthony Towns is one of the most foul-happy players in the entire NBA. Uh, so they both, last season, for instance, they Carl played 33 minutes per game, and, and Gobert played 32. So they played basically the same amount of minutes. Uh, but Gobert averaged a full foul fewer per game. Say that five times fast. A full foul fewer per game than Carl yeah, did. Not gonna, like I'm not going to try to say it. I don't like it. Yep. He's a more active and obviously effective defender, but doesn't foul as often, which right. is crazy. Now, a lot of Carl's fouls are... Like the one that he had last night where he kicks his leg out. Come on, dude. Just stop doing that. And then stop, like, you know, bitching at the officials afterwards. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Gobert, I, I was I was just kind of jotting down notes throughout the game last night. And my two biggest observations about Gobert were, number one, he was only credited for one block in the 34 minutes. But he altered so many more shots or offensive plans by oh, just yes. existing, by just being there. You'd see these do, and they're actually Shea Gilgis Alexander hit a couple really tough shots in and around Gobert, or he'd like take a fadeaway or something, you know, from mid range. So you're not gonna you're not gonna swat everything away or deter everything, but like they held. And Oklahoma City's not a great shooting team, but they shot 38 percent last night, in part because it's hard to get the shots that you want on a regular basis. But the other thing that really stood out, he's just this massive set of hands on offense that acts as a second backboard, basically. So if you're driving, I mean, early early in the game, Carl Anthony Towns had a couple where he's driving, and ordinarily he'd maybe put up a floater, or maybe he maybe he would even stumble into an offensive foul. But oh, I can just float it up to the side of the rim, and there's this gigantic set of hands there <laughs> to slam it home, right? Uh, and Doogie mentioned this on the scoop. I looked this up. That is the most shot attempts Gobert has had in a game dating back to at least the beginning of last year. So he did not have any games with the Jazz last year in the regular season where he shot the ball 15 times and shot the ball is in air quotes. Cause he's not really shooting the ball. He's just there around the rim. He's, he's in the dunker spot, if you will. And uh, for you guys on Judd's hockey show, you know, it's like having that guy on the back post ready to clean. Like it just gives you the goalie yeah. has to worry about, Oh, where's the guy on the back post, right? Having that guy that can kind of see buckets. Of, he's the greasy, greasy buckets. buckets. Yes. Greasy yes. buckets. With a greasy buckets. Oh my God. Band. He's the greasy buckets guy. Yep. And so, but in the, so he went, what, 10 of 15 from the field last night? Yep. Last year, in the games where he shot at least 10 times in a game, there were 19 games where Rudy Gobert took at least 10 shots. The Utah Jazz were 14 and 5 in those games. That's a 60 win pace. Uh-huh. And their average margin of victory in the 14 wins was 17 points margin of victory. Now, that doesn't mean that, like, oh, he should just be Mark Madsen launching threes in that game where they were tanking for, you know, it's got to be within the flow. It's You can't just be, all right, Rudy, start taking pull-ups from 18 feet. It's got you, But you have to make a concerted effort to throw him lobs, to get him some mismatches down low, or to just, like, trust those massive hands to come in and clean up maybe a missed shot. So, like, what a debut for him, I guess, is my main summary, and he cleans up all of the things that kind of drove you nuts, and you still win the game. There was also a moment, too, going back to Judd's point of Gobert kind of being the captain and, and reeling reeling in Cat at times when maybe he gets a little too emotional. Um, there was a play, I think it was early in the second quarter, where 
they thought they rebounded it. Cat was all the way down on the offensive end, and Ky- and there was a whistle. And Kyle Anderson is basically waving like like to Cat, get back here. Like we have like it's clearly not going to be a foul. Get back here. And I've noticed even that moment of another veteran who has played in playoff games and Kyle Anderson also kind of being someone else that can be kind of the the guy that has that self realization. I know Mackie called Cat with called him a mop earlier with, with Doogie, which is hilarious. But Kyle Anderson can also kind of be that Pat Bev role too, where, dude, I know what it takes to be here, but also you have to have the realization of when these moments are happening, get back here, help us. Don't don't freak out. It's all good. And I think those type of things are also invaluable to the box where you're obviously never going to see. I will say this, though. I want to see Cat make that leap himself very soon. Like, I am so tired. What, what leap? What the leap? leap to being mentally intelligent Judd. enough to not get upset Judd. about everything. It's not going to happen. I let would like go. to see let, progress. Let I would go. like it's to see Gobert help him progress. But how is he? he can... I just like he's been, he's he's an adult. He's not I know, 21 that's anymore. Saying. He's but he's not he's not going to be like I have. I guess where I'm at with this is I freaked out on him after game three in the playoffs with the same angst of why can't you hold it together mentally? I am now at the point, not that I'm, I'm going to freak out about it a few more times, so please right. give me leeway yeah, and grace. Yeah, exactly. But I am no longer expecting him to all of a sudden be like a Tim Duncan stoic. Oh, no, no, he's, no. That is I agree. not who he's ever going to be. And I, and I don't think that he should be. I would just like to, to see him in game one of 82 and then hopefully playoffs not be kicking out, not be trying to try. I mean, he is the definition of petulant. He is a petulant child at times. And he's playing with guys now who definitely are not. And I would just hope that some of that, it's not all going to. I understand that. I'm not asking him to change into Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. But I would hope that he morphs a little bit into growing up a bit. Can we talk about Jaden and Jalen, though? Yes. Jaden McDaniels and and off the bench, Jalen Noel to me last night, uh, for, for all the things that... and. There's, a, there's tons to, to dissect and talk about, and a lot of it was not ideal or optimal. But Jaden McDaniels, 19 points. He got to the free throw line a game high 10 times. And that's, I thought that's, was that's the development right there. Brilliant. And and Noel came off the bench and led all Wolves scores coming off the bench with 13 points and was an absolute spark plug and fantastic. And I think those two things are worth paying attention to because I think they're sustainable things. They're not yes. fluky. Totally agree. Uh, Jalen Noel, 18 minutes. I'd actually like to see that go up a little bit. I think you could probably eat a little bit more into some other minutes to get him over 20, maybe 22, sure. 25 minutes sometimes. Absolutely. And I, I love that Jaden McDaniels is just, he's just the the garbage man. He But he also has an offensive game that's evolving yeah. too. Mm-hmm. There's more there. You know, he's... He can dribble better than he could a year ago. He's getting to the rim. The fact that he got to the free throw line, like you said, 10 times, and there's just this crazy untapped upside to him. And we talked about this a couple weeks ago. You know, not that long ago, he was regarded as one of the best high school basketball players in the country. And then he goes to Washington, has a weird freshman year, and his draft stock falls. Still a first-round pick, but he was a year before he got drafted, he was a lottery pick. And would have come with much more fanfare. Would not have been available to a Timberwolves team that was that wound up selecting him later, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that development is really interesting to watch. And again, it all covers up for just the bad night of Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards. So take everything that happened last night. They still scored 115 points. You know, they still got out to a, a pretty early big lead. Imagine when you're two, maybe. I'm not going to say best player. I think Rudy Gobert is their best player. But, like, your two most important players in Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards, when those guys click, you are running that team out of the gym last night. So, I don't know. I come away with, like, and then Jalen Noel, I think that guy, if if you gave that guy, like, 30 minutes a night to, I don't know if he's going to, some of this is, you got to be careful overexposing, but. I think he's one of their two or three best scorers, including Anthony Edwards. Mm-hmm. The guy is incredible offensively. He can score from all three yeah. levels. So totally agree on those guys. I mean, McDaniels, I just, McDaniels too, sorry. even just a insanely stat-stuffing day with six boards, three assists, three steals, two blocks. I mean, the dude was easily, outside of Gobert, the most active player on on, on the court yesterday. Um, you saw that 
with just your eye test that that guy was moving and, and was their second best player, not named Rudy Gobert. And, and on Noel, yeah, I mean, that dude has six man of the year potential, to be completely honest, if he reaches his full ceiling. I did find it strange Nas Reed didn't get in the rotation. He had a really good preseason, and he's been a decent guy off the bench, but he couldn't figure out a way to get a minute last night, which I thought, which I thought was pretty interesting. He'll get some. He's, he's kind of a... I, I guess I wonder if Chris Finch said something about that after the game. He's there's there's going to be some games that just like aren't Nas Reed games, and maybe they just deem this to be one of them. And go and Gobert is going to get some rest. Um, so so he he knocked his right knee, so he he got hurt, stayed in, and was fine because he knocked knees, and it was his right knee with a Thunder player. But if you guys saw, he is wearing a fairly large brace on his left knee. Yep. He has for a while, I guess. Right, Apparently right. but I'm just saying, like, he's the prime type of guy to get get rest, and Reed's going to play. Like, that doesn't concern me. Um, I would say the one team statistic that actually I took away from l- last night is one that has to change, and Finch talked about this postgame in being more, uh, more uh, physical, is this one, the rebounding stats. So OKC had 16 offensive boards, and this is a small team, feisty but small. 57 total boards. The Wolves, 14 offensive boards, 55. Speaking of of the potential, and you should have run an opponent out of the gym, really, when you look at what the Wolves have, they should have run the Thunder out of the gym on rebounds. Yeah. And that's one I think that they are going to work hard to clean up quickly because it can be cleaned up quick. And it's kind of, to me, the culprits there, it was the like the second-level rebounds. Yeah. So, like, Rudy Gobert cleaned up a lot of the stuff that was within – like if it would come right off the rim and it was within like five feet, but they had a lot of those like long rebounds that would go back to the elbow or further back. And that's where, I mean, Carl Anthony Towns is playing out there a lot. Right, correct. You know, exactly. That's where he's going to have to rebound on that level, but he might not be, you know, as quick as some of the guys that can get to the ball, you know, for Oklahoma city last night, but that's where Anthony Edwards, that's where even D'Angelo Russell, like yes. and some of the guys off the bench, like Kyle Anderson, Got to grab some rebounds. So, but yeah, 16 offensive rebounds is too much. I'll throw one more thing. We'll get to some old tweets exposed here, too. Even though Towns and Edwards played largely terribly offensively in that game, the one thing I really liked from both of them, especially in the first half, the passing from both of those guys. And there are so many times where Anthony Edwards would, you know, dribble past the initial defender, get into the lane, boom, suck the defense in, and get a wide open look for a teammate. So he was he was given seven assists on the night. He flirted with a triple double despite you know the four of a, of seventeen shooting night. But there was also probably another seven times where he got a wide open look for someone, and it was a miss or it was a hockey assist like boom boom ping pong to an open player in the corner. And then Towns finding ways to feed Gobert in the first half was a really interesting development. So even through some of the muck, there was just a lot of really interesting new and good signs for for this team, but. Definitely. Yeah. And flagrant howls will be back just with my dad passing away and, and Kyle has a a travel thing this week. We will be hitting the ground running very soon on that podcast again twice a week to uh to ride this Timberwolf season. So it's popular I give us some, here too. Some Dex told me it's very yeah. popular. Yeah. Target center. People yeah. are like clamoring for it. Yeah. Yeah. It was cool to see. shouting from the Raptors. Hey, Flagrant Howells. Flagrant Howells. I hate John's hockey. You have another beer? Yes, I am. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, people just asking about your uh, beer intake yeah, last like, night? Yeah, they were. They were. Yes. Oh, oh, you got some questions about yeah, that? Oh, another I didn't beer, want to huh? say anything personally. No, so. no, it, it's fine. I I, I, feel, oh, I feel great today. Huh? I want to slow, uh-huh. slow down there, huh? Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I feel great today. Yeah. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. Yeah. I don't have a game. All right, let's get to some... Old Tweets Exposed, presented by our friends at Spiral Light Candles. A lot of victory candles being lit these days. And those, of course, are purple victory candles, which which are fantastic. And here's the great thing. So far, 5-1, and one, the, the uh, Judd's Purple Positivity Candle has been there to celebrate with. But if things go wrong, I mean, there have been hiccups. Let's, let's acknowledge that. There have been hiccups during uh, the Purple's games. Guess what? Spiral Light Candles a great aroma, and also can calm you down. And, and they have an array of candles, which are perfect gifts for birthdays, uh, tons of things. The holidays are coming up. Nothing better than a spiral light candle around your house for that. Spiralightcandles.com is the place to go. Spiralightcandles.com. Check them out. 
All right, what do you got for us, Declan? All right, let's uh, let's go back into the archives here. Uh, let let's let's see what we got here because I wanted to know what we were saying about the wolves because it's uh, you know ten fifteen years ago, some dark days of the wolves. So let let's pull up some old tweets exposed on some Timberwolves takes. We'll start with Judd here. Uh, February fifteenth, two thousand twelve. I don't get why Wes Johnson doesn't go to the basket more. He's okay when he does, and when he doesn't, he's well uh, not okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> Pumping up some Wes okay. Johnson positivity. He should go to the basket more, Judd. You know I what's like, funny? You know what? There's ahead, a long Jeff. line of wolves since then who I could tweet the same thing about. Wiggy. Well, I can edit this tweet for you. I think okay. if we just get rid of uh, the I don't get why yep. and then uh, leave the Wes Johnson part and then get rid of everything after it up until not okay. Okay. <laughs> Just he's not okay. Wes Johnson's not okay. Not okay. Not okay. Then that tweet what? is accurate. Yep. That's yeah. You were close. You just needed fi- to trim trim the I'm fat fine on with that, that tweet I'm there. I'm fine with that. Nice job. I like how you're trying to find solutions for Wes Johnson though. You're you are solutions oriented. That was 2012, dude. Think about mm. think about I like like I mean there there should be an LOB trophy by now in the <laughs> lobby of Target Center because of the presence of a, a guy like Wes Johnson who should have resulted in all of these first-round picks that went on to win a championship. No, mm, Interesting take. All right. Uh, me, around the same time, February 28, 2012. Just pretty simple. Derek Williams uh, stays getting it. Also, no G. Just just stays getting it. Derek what does Williams. this mean? I must have been watching Derek Williams highlights late at night because it's also 11.32 p.m. Probably I drunk. Do. This is freshman year of college for me. Uh, I I was I was a big Derek Williams fan. I was I was pumping up Derek Williams. He stays getting it in. Yeah. But what does that even mean? I I was probably watching him, yeah, watching yeah, highlights, and I was hammered. I don't know, but I, I have Derek Williams takes. Did he you definitely mean he definitely got it in? Did you I mean? I didn't mean with anything with that, but uh, but I was just no no no. But I'm just baskets. trying to figure out like okay, so like if, that's if, the kids if, speak. If getting time. it in, if it is missing point blank dunks mm-hmm. and wide open threes, mm-hmm. and second then overall pick, playing right? overseas at some point, then you definitely yeah. got it in. Well, interesting correct? take because uh, Phil Mackey says trading Derek Williams for Paul oh, Gasol boy. would be one of the most short sighted, stupidest trades in Minnesota sports history. First of all, uh, don't put bad grammar on this tweet. Okay, I did not tweet stupidest. The grammar on this tweet Stupid. was impeccable. I can't yeah. speak for the actual take itself. You might want to claim that you were hacked I don't, on I, I June would not, 29, 2012. <laughs> I would not dodge this. But, uh, well, who are the 31 accomplices that retweeted this? They should uh, all be held in. Yeah, okay, now we're going to spread the blame. Okay, too. thanks, Kat. They're enabling well, what be, this take. What do you mean by the tweet? I mean. I look at me. I'm, I'm all just like, hey, the upside of Derek Williams will pay off at some point. I don't know why they would have. So that would have been a team with. Kevin Love, Ricky Rubio, because that was that was the 2012, yep, 13 team. So I was looking for like I guess Pau Gasol to come in as a veteran. I think there was trade rumors around him because he was just getting out of L.A. around that time. I think he was they had just okay. you know come off the back to back championship, so it was a season removed from that. And ah. uh, and Pau Gasol still went out to have like two more All Star seasons and play like seven more years after this. So. Okay. Well. I get this now. I get this now. Declan gave us a tweet that we couldn't understand to make your tweet, mm-hmm. which we could, look even worse. You there's were a set up, I, there, there's oh, a reason because I put I'm Mackie a better mask. communicator on yes, Twitter. You're yeah. more screwed. Because yes. we don't know what Declan that is, that really meant. That, I, we I, know what you grammar, meant. My good grammar screwed me I, again. I did Mackie's tweet last on purpose. You are right, Jeff. <laughs> you got him. You purposely. I'm, I'm a reporter. I know some things. It's <laughs> hilarious. All right, uh, that's a wrap on this reckless speculation. <laughs> do you want to award yourself the point, or do we have to do it? I think you win. I'll take it. I mean, okay. my Wes Johnson one's no, nothing to write home about, and we have no. no idea what Dex was talking about, so he's <laughs> off the hook. Derek Williams getting it he's in. getting it in. Yeah. All righty, good talk. <laughs> but not for Paul Gasol. All right, we'll see you for a Feedback Friday tomorrow and over on Purple Daily for State of the Vikings offense today. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. It's crazy to think that a few weeks ago we were talking about whether or not Tua Tagovailoa should consider retiring after two concussions and worldwide debates on player safety and NFL culpability. Tua has done nothing but go back to work and currently has the Dolphins riding a three-game win streak and one loss behind the division favorite Buffalo Bills. While everyone was yapping about the end of his career, Tua Tagovailoa said he'll decide when it's time. And clearly, he's not ready to hang up the cleats. 
Hi, this is Chris Howard from the Plugged In with Chris Howard podcast. BetOnline.net is your number one source for betting football and the start of the new basketball season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news podcasts, and in-depth analysis on every game. BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information with live betting up to the minute scores for every sp- the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including the MLB playoffs, the start of the NHL season, MMA, boxing, and golf. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts.